<laughs> oh my God, 2,000 arm cherries in one spot. It's so wonderful. Someone made a sign already. It said I was hot in chips. Thank you so much. Of course, it's a man holding that, which is, confirms my suspicion. I really can't express to you how humbling it is for Monica and I to sit in a little stuffy attic a couple times a week and to know that this could happen. It's really mind-blowing, and I, I thank you so much for coming out tonight. Um, I brought a very, very cute miniature person with me. I put her in the overhead, <laughs> in one of those little cute little chihuahua bags. Manica Padman is here! Uh, okay, so I bet you guys are curious who tonight's guest is. I'm about to blow your minds because there's two guests tonight. Both of them are infinitely, infinitely, infin I sound like a president saying anonymous. Uh, <laughs> infinitely more famous and talented. They're a duo of sorts. Ethan Hawke and Vincent D'Onofrio, guys. <laughs> Hello. Can you believe it? I mean, come on. Ethan Hawke and Vincent D'Onofrio. So, I, excuse me, Go it's ahead. my show. All right, uh, all right. <laughs> Go ahead, Vincent. Um, just, can I start with just something it, right away? A, a monologue? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, this is my rifle. This is my rifle. This is my, yeah. <laughs> There are many like it, but this one is mine. Yeah. Without me, my rifle is useless. Without my rifle, I am useless. Damn! Full we metal jacket, baby! Oh, wow. Full metal jacket! That felt set so up, my, but it wasn't. My, my wife bought me this cream. <laughs> this what? She, I don't like where this is going already. <laughs> I do. Well, well, your wife, Corinne, who's here, who's She's a beautiful, here, yeah. uh, very smart, wonderful woman. That <laughs> you're way yeah. too good for you. Continue. Yeah, thank she you. got you an, a moisturizer? No. No. <laughs> she got me a, a cream for, like, muscu muscle pain? Oh, sure. Yeah. Like an icy hot? Icy hot. No, no. No. Nope. Okay. Yay, like an icy hot. No, it's okay. like a special thing. Tiger balm. It's special. <laughs> anyway, so she got it for me a couple of days, and she said that I should use it because I was complaining about my something or other. Okay, a muscle pain. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I said, yeah, 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 of course, of course, of course, of course, right? And then I just have to get this off my chest because this was... This happened today, and it's been bothering me ever since. Good, good. So This is the place to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So she goes, she goes to me, so did you use that cream? I'm like, yeah. She goes, you did? I'm going, yeah. She goes, did it, did it help? I'm like, yeah, a little bit. Not really. You know, but I'm going to use more. It's probably really good, right? Yeah. Mm. Okay. So uh -oh. this morning, it's, it's next to my bed, and... Uh, 
So I'm, I don't know, we're talking about something. I'm so <laughs> nervous right now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. Is it a personal lubricant? No, this no, no, okay. no. All right. She picks it up and she goes, this is not open. Oh, oh fuck. No. Uh oh, no. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. 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 Yeah. All and right. I said, I, it's, it's not, and she goes, you, you told me that you opened it and you used it. And I said, I said that to you? Oh, boy. Did I? Oh, uh, wow. She goes, yeah, you said that. And then she didn't say anything after that. So, so am I writing that this was like a public amends? Is it? Yeah. It or no? Was, you're like no. It's just, no. It's it's it's. I I felt really bad. I feel really bad about it all day. And you're carrying it around. I'm carrying it around. You feel bad about it because it's revealing of how easily untruths fall from your tongue. Exactly. I mean, that's what uh -huh. I, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the cream is representative of other things that might be hurtful, <laughs> is what you're talking about. Exactly. And you're trying to let your wife know that you understand you're not always your best self. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So in a way, this is a story of healing. Thank God but, Ethan's here. But not here. the muscle pain that yeah. it was intended to heal. But not the muscle pain. No, yeah, that's still agonizing. Yeah. Now, um, what, what I want to get out, uh, the, the elephant in the room, I think, it, besides your relationship stuff, um, <laughs> Which I'm sure on the way home is gonna be, it'll be all ironed out from this. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm You had on. an armchair expert interview. I did. Right. And wasn't it fantastic? I've heard many people tell me your description of trying to find the little thread mm -hmm. of positiveness in somebody yeah. and just try to tug it and let it build into something was a lot of people got a lot out of that. Yeah. Myself That's included. I, that's what I'm trying to do right now, Corinne. <laughs> I'm just trying to find that little bit of goodness. In you, though. Well, in it's weird. <laughs> so you, you already had a nice, fat armchair interview, and we learned a lot about you. And, and really, tonight, we're going to learn a lot about Ethan. But yes. I, yeah. <laughs> and then you guys will get reminiscing and take over, and then I'll leave for about 15 minutes. Start smoking again, come back, and then... That would be ideal. Yeah, do the bowels and whatnot. Um, but you guys are really, really good friends. In fact, you're friends to a degree that I've often been jealous of your friendship. As I fell quickly in love with Vincent some five years ago now, uh, I noticed you guys text a lot. <laughs> I think more than you and I do. He seems to have, I'd even say, he reveres your, your skill set. Yeah, thinks you're incredible as an like actor. Texting or, oh, as an actor, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in fact, the reason we, we were blessed with your presence is really Vincent wrangled you into this. Mm -hmm. And so my assumption is you probably are just learning who I am for the first time. <laughs> and I guess... How am I doing? <laughs> yeah, you, you're great. But did you like Scrubs? Did you think that was a good show? <laughs> Do you remember ever like seeing it and thinking I was good? Or do you like the movie I made? Um, my Garden my, State. Garden State. <laughs> my directorial debut, Garden State. Did you like that? <laughs> my gut is telling me I'm being set up. <laughs> <laughs> I bear an uncanny resemblance to Zach Braff. Yeah. So that's when I. Well, to make you feel better, I have no idea who the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, if it makes you feel better, I, I, yeah, I'm right with Vincent. I don't know who you are or Zach. <laughs> <laughs> That's right where I want you. 
So I'm a three-time Taekwondo world champion. That's why I have okay. a show. <laughs> then let me say I respect you very much. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Um, but, but the people who listen to the show know that I talk about boyhood. I don't think I ever go more than 20 minutes without talking about boyhood. Yes. It's just the best movie. It's so real, and I, and I had a chance to interview my mother on this show as well, and, and that was my favorite episode because she was unbelievably honest about our pretty wild roller coaster ride of my childhood in her early 20s. And both of us, when we saw that movie, particularly scenes at the dinner table where everyone's waiting to see what drunk stepdad's going to do, um, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It was so accurate, and it was it was my childhood. And then as I was reading about you a little bit in preparation for this, I saw some parallels in that. Your parents got divorced when you were three or something? My mom was 17 when she had my brother, and your mom was 17. And then... I have to say, my mom gets... It's, it's so strange. I often say she was 17, and she goes, she gets apoplectic. She's like, I was 18. <laughs> I was 17 when I got pregnant, but 18 when you were born. And I'm like, Mom, you still sound like white trash. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> the 18, 17 thing is not like, but to her, it's a big deal. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 She could have bought a lottery ticket when yeah. she had you in yeah. her arms. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I understand. I'm there for you, Mom. <laughs> Um, but, but, but so you, they got divorced when you were three and you then had a stepdad. Uh, did you have one or more? I had a couple. Yeah. A couple. Yeah. I had several as well. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great, isn't it? Uh, what my favorite part of it is, is you have a whole way everyone's doing everything in the family and then a new buck shows up and goes, no, we live in New Jersey now. <laughs> and you're like, wait, that, okay. I remember, for me, it was really strange. It's, it's kind of nice. Uh, my stepfather, and Vincent knows me well enough to know that this is, he was the first one to notice that I, my mother had forgotten to teach me to brush my teeth. <laughs> you, you know, and like, so that, but I mean, it sounds kind of weird and everything, but all of a sudden you're 10 years old and all of a sudden you have to brush your teeth every morning? Are you <laughs> nuts? You know, I thought this guy was so cruel and weird. Uh, drill sergeant. <laughs> Other people don't do this. You know? right. <laughs> but you only know your own reality as a kid. And, and when your mother falls in love, you know, and, and we all know this, when a person falls in love, their point of view shifts. You know, I mean, I think one of the things that I love about boyhood is you get that ride of, and you see it from multiple points of view, where for her, she wants to be in love. For the kids, they want attention. They miss their own father. They don't want to get to know. And then no sooner do they fall. Sometimes, for me, losing my stepfather was harder than my parents' divorce. Mm. Because my own father, you only get one father. You only get one mother, right? I mean, but you, these mentors and these other figures come into your life. And when they leave, you might not find them again. Mm -hmm. And that had a, for me as a kid, that was more terrifying. I always knew my father was there, you know, yeah. whether I was seeing him every day or not, he was there. And what's going to happen when my mom splits up with this? Is he going to disappear? And often they do. Yeah. You know? And so, that's, it, but it sounds like you had a very favorable opinion of at least stepdad number one. 
Um, are we really going to do this? <laughs> we don't have wow. to. Uh, uh, I have my stepfather um, is named. He's not married to my mother anymore, but he was named Patrick. He is named Patrick Powers, and he's an amazing figure in my life. Uh -huh. But that was stepdad number two. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. We'll leave. We'll leave stepdad number one out of this. Yeah. <laughs> I have a stepdad that I don't say his name because I'm afraid people might egg his house or something. Yeah. yeah. Right. 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 Um, but the the thing that um, for me as a kid was uh, you when your mom's single, you can often end up being her partner, not in a sick way, but you become her partner physically. No. Uh, <laughs> Not in the sick way. You mean sexually. Yeah, just, you know, in a very natural sex way. You never, but not like you never told me about, you never, I'd like to, really? Uh, but, and then a guy will show up and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, then they occupy that role and then that, then you kind of get relegated and then there's a divorce and then you're kind of, you're and back then, up to then play. you're back on. Yeah, yeah. It's you're, the starting lineup again. Yeah, exactly. They trade the good really quarterback. It's not where you want to be. Right. You, you know, I mean, it's, and you don't know it. There's, there's a feeling of loss when your parent falls in love. But then when that relationship dissolves, there's this weight that falls back on you. Of, of responsibility for their emotional life. Yeah, emotional you know, which is really, which is, and if you're a young man and you really love your mom, you know, that's something you take really seriously. Yeah. And it's more of a burden than probably a 15, 16, 17 year old boy is really even ready for. Yeah. Uh, and I, I found that very hard. Uh, yeah, so I'm with you 100%. Okay. And um, I'm curious, I don't really have an explanation why early on I had a very huge fear of commitment. But I guess I think because I was in such a serious relationship as a child with my mother sexually. Uh, God. <laughs> I would love to see her face right now. She's the coolest. She's the coolest. She'd be probably making a worse joke. Um, but I think I had a little bit of hesitation about getting ensnared in anything for a while. Once I left the house and I was like, oh, good, no one, no one else's game plan. I don't have to go along for anyone's ride. I don't want to be a part of a bad plan. I have all these rules and no one can fuck. And now I'm in control. And I think of a little bit the women, unfortunately, in my life early on were maybe a little bit... Um, you know, I just didn't want... I wanted some freedom from maybe that responsibility until I got older. That's just a story about me. Thanks for coming down to yeah, hear it. Yeah. It's been great being here, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you, 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 you're born in Austin. You come to Brooklyn, right? You come to Brooklyn at three, four years old. Oh, it was never that simple, man. Never that simple. I was okay. born, born in Austin. My parents were at UT. I'm, you're, you're bringing up a very weird conversation in my psyche. Uh -huh. Just because I, I have so many. I, I, I tell you. <laughs> You, you might like this. I, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> my story was weird. My parents ended up moving to Connecticut, and then they broke up. My father moved back to Texas, and my mother stayed. We, and she ended up falling in love with another. We moved to Vermont, and for a while, yeah, yeah. For my mom was a my mom was a, a waitress at Stratton Mountain Valley Lodge, huh? you know, and she had this boyfriend that I, I loved. He's incredibly. Uh, 
Not in the same way that. Not in the same way that Dax is talking about. No, 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 very different. But I remember this is this. I can my my skin is vibrating in a weird way because I know what I'm about to say and I know how much my mother's gonna hate me for saying it. But I've decided I'm gonna say it anyway. Okay, good. Yeah, and and I was thinking about it the whole last like five minutes. But I remember we were like at a movie or something, my mom and I, and I'm in the fourth grade, third grade, and we pull into the house in Vermont. And there, we had this little cabin of a house, and all my mother's lingerie was nailed oh to boy. the front door. Oh. You know? <laughs> and I was like, huh, wow. what is that? And she's like, I think we're moving to Atlanta. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and basically, you know, she went in, and I stayed in the car. She got some stuff, and we drove to Atlanta. Yeah. Now, that's the kind of story that only happens to a woman who has a kid at 18. Yeah, 17. Yeah. Now, if she was 17, yeah, God knows what would have been yeah. stapled uh, to uh, the door. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, it's not that easy of a story, but you Can end up... Can I just up in, add something please just do. to help his mom out? First yeah. of all, she's... Absolutely lovely. Smoking hot. Oh, no. Well. Uh, <laughs> that too. <laughs> and, I, 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 and she's, obviously more than that, she's this, has this amazing life. And she moved to Romania and has done so much there. And, and, and she works with gypsy kids, um, getting st trying to stop child begging, yeah. trying to stop racism against gypsies. The, she grew up in, uh, near Abilene, Texas, where racism was really bad when she was a kid. And she was traveling in Europe and recognized the same kind of racism happened there. And she dedicated basically almost the last 20 years of her life to trying to work towards stopping racism in Eastern Europe and Romania specifically and working on getting, you know, there's a big problem with child begging there and getting those kids in school. She's gotten thousands of kids in school. So as we wow. joke and everything, wow. I, I would, because it's, it's real easy to, one of the things that I, I, I really like about what Linkletter achieved with boyhood is that you kind of don't ever really know what the parents, you mm -hmm. all, kids see their parents through a particular lens. And you don't really think about them as whole people. You think about what their relationship to you is. 100%. And, you know, I remember all the time people say, well, what does your mom do for a living? Or something. I'd be like, I don't know. I mean, yeah. who cares? I mean, <laughs> I mean it's just, but now that I have kids, that's what they're like. Yeah. You know, they, don't, they don't care what movie you're in or everything. They just want you to take care of their stuff. Yeah, yeah. get them to where they need to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not get in the way. Throw them when yeah, you, yeah. they get out of the car. Yeah. But you do end up in Brooklyn eventually. I do end up in Brooklyn okay. eventually, yes. And then you end up in New Jersey. Yep. We're Garden State, first movie. Uh, you... Are Does you bummed to leave like, Brooklyn? I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. What? Was I bummed to leave Brooklyn? Well, first of all, I'm so sad you left Austin. That's my favorite pl place uh, in the world. Well, I always, went, always went back to Austin. Austin, so great. And then you come to Brooklyn, but then you're going to leave there, yeah. too. And then you go to New Jersey. Yeah. And so is your, 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 the main chunk of your childhood, is it New Jersey? Um, seventh grade through 12th grade, yeah. That's pretty substantial. Yeah. And all this moving, how did you do when you would land in these places? Well, here's the thing. is We already know from Vincent's story, he didn't do so hot when he moved around. So no, well, we covered when, that. I don't know what, I remember um, I was in a playground here in Brooklyn and I had a really, we lived in Atlanta for a while and I had a nice uh, prideful Southern accent. And 
I lost it really fast. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got my ass handed to me several times. And um, yeah, I was miserable. I used to lay in my mom. We had this really nice apartment in Atlanta. And then when we moved to Brooklyn, we had one room living with my mom. And so I had a, the little loft bed above, you know, where she would sleep. And I remember I would just sit there. This is going to sound so pathetic. I would just sit there and like click my heels. Like, there's no place like home. There's no place like, like I just, I wanted to go back south so bad, you know? And I just kept thinking, could this be a dream? Uh -huh. Please let this be a dream. And um, it wasn't a dream. It was my life and it's been misery ever since. No, that was a hard transition. Going from the south to Brooklyn was super hard uh, as, a, as a kid. Jersey uh, was better. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I remember like my first day coming from Brooklyn to the, there was there was this girl. I hope maybe she's here tonight. Sherry Kabbalah. And, and, Sherry, and, are you Sherry, out there? Come on out. <laughs> Cher, Cher Bear. Yeah. Sherry was amazing. And Sherry, like to my 12 year old self, she was smoking hot and sure. I loved her. And um, I remember none of the boys liked me. You know, they were, and I was the last one picked for the I kick. Get that. Yeah. <laughs> I was the last one picked for the kickball team, you know? So I'm just, you're talking about moving, I'll just tell you. And, and I was kind of bummed and they put me way out in the outfield and, and I never, and, and then somebody kicked this thing and I caught the ball, right? I caught the ball. Oh, yeah, thanks. Congrats. And um, yeah. Sherry ran over to all the cool kids going, see, he's not a dork, he's cool. He can catch the ball. And he was kind of cool and I knew I was lost. I was like, there's no. Well, when, nothing makes guys like a, another guy more than the, the hot girl saying, I like that guy. Yeah, that, yeah I'm sure that it didn't went, help. Really, it like, didn't oh, help. Oh, shit. Well, we yeah. like him now, too. Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. I guess I'm, what the reason I'm curious about how you um, did in all these new environments is you early on were, before even acting, maybe, yeah, you, you had a desire to be a writer. Maybe. No? A little bit? Or are they, are they um, happening at the same time? You know, I, uh, we were, Vincent and I were joking earlier about crazy Dennis Hopper, you know, and Dennis Hopper has an amazing quote that I love, which is that he always saw himself as basically a farm kid and he never knew that there was a difference between writing and acting and directing and photography and music. That all happened in that building called the arts. Mm. And he wanted to get like away from his family into that building, uh -huh. you know? And that's really how I felt. So if that was gonna be acting in a play, that'd be cool. If it was playing music, that'd be cool. If it was acting, that'd be cool. I, I wanted to contribute and be part of whatever that mysterious thing yeah. called the arts was. Yeah. So I don't think my kid mind was like, oh, I wanna be an actor, or, oh, I wanna be a writer. That's a look in my eyes. He since I, I didn't have an agenda like that. I would read, but did you have a romantic notion of what a writer was? Yes. Or okay. I, I guess. wanted Jack London. I want to be, you know. Okay, yeah, I was curious who your guy was, was yeah, or Jack gal. London for sure. Right. Mine yeah. was Bukowski. Thanks but for not asking. Not 12 or 13. Sadly, 14. Yes. 14. Really? I mean, right when I decided, and I'll tell you why, because I thought, oh, this guy is a, uh, he shits his pants once a week. You related. He well, sleeps yeah. with his mom. Yeah, his yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I just thought this guy is, uh, he's a failure on all accounts. He's drunk all day long. Uh, every woman he's with hates his guts. But he fucking, he writes it down and it's beautiful. 
and then the whole thing seems justified. And as a young guy, I just, I found that very romantic that if you could contribute this, if you could tell it truthfully, somehow it would excuse what a shitbag you were or something. I, I think maybe that was secretly what was going on in my mind. Since you're a boyhood fan, I'll tell you that I often like to say this, that I think Richard Linkletter, Charles Bukowski, Jack Kerouac, um, and it's gotta be somebody, there's, there's another person in there, are responsible for more bad art inspiring more bad art. <laughs> because you read Bukowski and you think, ah, oh, I, I fart. I could write a great poem. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You read Kerouac and you're like, oh, I'll write a novel about my friends. It'll yeah. be awesome. You know? I can live in a car. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, Linkletter makes a movie about growing up. You're like, yeah, I could grow up. You know? <laughs> and and, uh, and it, they make the simple things. Also the timeline, you're like, uh, I could get one done in 12 years. <laughs> sure. That's a, that's a manageable timetable. Yeah. Hell yeah. I don't the think I should get be one a lot better if it took that long. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I do think those guys do put that in your brain. Yeah. Um, so you, you start working very young. I mean, yeah. by my account, very young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vincent, you were pretty young, too. No, not like not God like damn him. it. Yeah. Just yeah. fucking can you, once. Can you, you just could not just... talk to me, please? Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done talking. <laughs> but I just imagine that at some point we're going to hear mumbling and we're going to just go quiet. We're going to hear, I did put on the cream. I didn't, I didn't open the thing, but I put on the cream. Like, you don't have to open the thing to put on the cream. <laughs> yeah, I'm not speaking to you anymore. <laughs> I'm Let's so get, can we continue? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, what were you, you were asking me something, but when Vincent But you started working really young. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, in, well, did you, did, how do I say this uh, delicately? Were you cool in high school or did you feel like an outcast? Um, I, I, I definitely felt like an outcast. Um, I remember when I got cast in Explorers, I had done this little... I had done a play at the Community Theater, McCarter Theater. I got cast in this. I played Dunois Page in St. Joan. Uh, look, a kingfisher. That was my line. And, um, That's really good. Still remember. Yeah, 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 I yeah, actually yeah, saw yeah. the kingfisher. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very I believable. Know, actually. I got scared there was a kingfisher. Yeah. I actually saw a kingfisher yeah. walking yeah. through. Uh, I was like scared. I don't even know I, I, what a kingfisher is, and I, I saw it. I had no idea. It's like that. huge yeah. and black. Yeah, like it was like yeah, radiant. Yeah. yeah, I had like a net. Yeah, I was carrying a net. <laughs> We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences. I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I had therapy this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for having you were some... not to out you. You were a little grumpy going in. I was. I was. I was to be <laughs> Rob and I received some texts. Yeah, I was morning. locked out of my therapy setting, which is this attic. <laughs> <sighs> but then you felt much better after. I felt much better, and I even made some apologies. Um, talking things out can be so helpful. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. Check out BetterHelp if you've been thinking of trying therapy. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for any reason for no additional charge. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DAX. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson Pack's playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for Ooh, it. Ooh, that's exciting. If you want to be sure to see your favorite artist, you need to jump on it right away. I've already DM'd him saying, yes, I got to be in that front row. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Got your eye on a rock star candidate? ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah, easy peasy? So easy. Well, the best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. So anyway, I did this play. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I started, I went on a few big casting calls in New York with some people that I met from that play. And one of them was for this movie called The Explorers, which I ended up getting the main part in. And River Phoenix was in that with you, River yeah? Phoenix was my co-star, my first scene partner. And uh, it was an interesting thing at high school because for a second, I seemed incredibly cool. Mm. I mean, it's actually, I mean, I, I had to leave the football team to go do a movie, right? Well, for, you're on the football team. That's yeah. pretty good. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I didn't start. You know? Okay. <laughs> I, just to digress for a minute. On the eighth grade team, you know, we did a, a little... Uh, you know, at the end of the season, the scrimmage. No, no, no. At the end of the season, it was a, a banquet. banquet. A ba- banquet. Thank you. A banquet. Yes. We're, we're doing we're doing a banquet, and you know, I gave I got up and gave a whole speech about the team, what a successful season it had been, how we're feeling good about next year, blah blah blah. And I come and sit back down, and my mother's like, "Why did they pick you to talk? You, you, oh. you, 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 you don't even start." And I was like, "I was the only one who wanted to." <laughs> you know? So that was that. That you get a sense of who I was. Yeah. I, you were the I, team I remember, orator. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know when everybody's getting a bar and bat mitzvah 
Uh-huh. You know, there's those things. Well, I got invited to a couple, and apparently I danced like a lunatic and really like, and I, I was, I, I, no, 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 no. And, I'm just kidding. No, I, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, 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 no. And, and the point why I will, will not dance is because I danced at these things, and, and then I got excommunicated from my whole group of friends. Oh, no. It was really, this is vintage eighth grade stuff, where you're, you're sitting around the table, right? <laughs> and and it's, you eat lunch every day at the same table, and Paul's sitting there, and Brandon's sitting there, and David's sitting there, and Sean's sitting there, right? And you, you get your fries, and you, you come over. And, um, and one day, after this bat mitzvah that I'd apparently behaved like an idiot, I, I just was dancing, you know? And, uh, and and Paul Hurst, his name, I launch into the stratosphere. So, um, <laughs> says, uh, hey, man, only eight to a table. Ooh. And I was like, but, but we eat here every day. Yeah, but it's, it's eight to a table. Paul. I know. And everybody, they're all sitting there. I look Fuck to, you, Paul Hurst. I, I look to all yeah. their eyes, you know, and they're all like, eight to a table, dude. Eight to, and I was like, Aww. so they clearly had all talked about it, you know? You know what can I mean? I, can, so, can I, can so I had to walk over to the one table by myself to give you an idea of whether I was cool. And, and I, I sat by myself, and I'll tell you this. Ready for this? One guy, Brandon Boyce. There we go, Brandon Boyce. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear it for Brandon. He stood up. He stood up, yeah. gave them a scowl, and he went and sat next to me. Man oh. among men. And he That's was my nice best person. friend. Yeah, there so we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, uh, it was like, I uh, can't buy me love the African anteater dance, but you didn't pull it off. Did you see that movie? I can I was feel the, lead, the music. You fucking asshole. I was the lead. You were the, no, no, you had no, no, no. Stop tricking him. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, uh, uh, well, Amanda Peterson was in that movie. And Amanda Peterson was in The Explorers with me. Right, and it was a very to get us back on topic. Thank is, you. Uh, Somebody's um, got to. Uh, the explorers. I was kind of a loser. I did this movie, and all of a sudden, I was very interesting. People were interested in me. Sure. Then the movie was a giant bomb. You like, took that really hard, yeah. The, I took it really hard. Didn't do well. I took it really hard. And then, I read a quote where you said that's just a, that's a lot of pressure for a seventeen-year-old well, kid. Well, to be to, honest, it was a, the punch. It, Hindsight 2020, it's the punch in the face that anybody who's going into the arts needs to get. Yeah. That if you're looking for the world to love you back, it feels really good when you guys laugh. It feels really good when you make people happy. But if you're really going to be out here doing something and trying to do something interesting, you've got to fall on your ass. You're going to shit the bed. You're going to, or you're not doing anything interesting. And so if that's going to crush you, then... You really shouldn't walk out, you, yeah. you know? And so I survived it. It took me several years to put myself back together after that, to be totally honest with you. You know, I mean, that's when I, well, that's when I started really thinking about writing and thinking, all right, my room at the table is going to be writing because I, I actually, this is no joke. I was at the, the movie premiered at the Zigfield, right? This movie was, it, the director had done Gremlins. It was, it oh, was wow. 1985, it's coming out. It's supposed to, $30 million movie in 1985, okay? It was a big deal. That's and a the billion head of the studio, today, just so you guys know. The head of the studio was here. River and I walked down the um, escalator after the premiere. We went to go to the bathroom. And, um, uh, and you know, we overheard the executives from Paramount talking. I'm like, well, that's a loser. Yeah, it's a loser. Oh. The, now, the public's rejected those kids. I mean, that, that's no Henry, oh. that's, that, that's no Henry oh. Thomas. Well, he, was, you know? he was smart. And, and, he was a uh, smart guy. And River and I... River and I were just, it, it, it felt like a, a horse, like, you know, and then you walk out of the John, your mom goes, you were great. 
great. And you're like, no, the public has rejected me. And, and, uh, and to be, I mean, it, 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 a 13-year-old psyche like that, and especially when you've been, you know, your ego's, the, the flames have been fanned. Right? Yes, you know? well, that's really where I'm heading. Okay, head there, baby. So before you get into the team, you know that group of guys that was standing there talking like that? It's, it's happened again and again and again. But can you imagine being the guy saying, you know, River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke, you know, like... I know, so Are you kidding me? I just saw the picture. Yeah, come on. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Nobody will know who those people are yeah. in 10 years. Well, let me ask you, though. Had um, River done Stand By Me yet? No. Oh, he hadn't. No. So he was just as vulnerable oh, as you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he couldn't even go, hey, dude, sometimes it yeah. shakes and out And I'll tell way. you, the, the funny thing is that one of the most brutal moments of our friendship is so a year or so maybe 18 months you know and when you're 14 18 months feels like eons have gone by right and I got a call about another audition for this movie called Stand By Me right and I went in and I did the precursor audition and another and that was my first audition after Explorers like because my mother was like all right all right right," you know and and so I went in again and I did a good job and I did a good job and I finally got to audition for the director you know Rob Reiner's directing the movie and I go in there and um and he goes man you're really good I just gave the part to another kid with a funny name and I knew instantly who it was oh no do you know what I mean I was like another kid what's that kid he's a weirder name than you two birds Another bird name. <laughs> what was it? Was it Corgi Pigeon? No, it wasn't him. Who did give the part to? River Lake Phoenix. Eagle. Lake Eagle. And, no. And they say he, he says he says River's name, and you know that weird thing about friendships and young. It's like one part of you is like a little bit happy, and another huge part of you just died. Oh, like yeah. anybody but my friend. Yeah. You know, like, and then and then he calls me up. He's like, "Hey, I'm so sorry." Oh, that's a rough call. <laughs> not to get. sorry. Yeah. You, you know, uh, don't give me that. Uh-huh. Right. You know. That's okay though, because you get a little laugh of your own a couple years later with Dead Poet Society. Now, this is when I become aware of you. I'm, you're 19? You're seven, right? <laughs> no, he's only five years older, four years older yeah, than me. Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was 18 when Dead Poets Society came out, so you would have been 11. No, 14. Jesus 14. Christ, okay, you guys. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm 14. That's a prime time to see that you're movie. You're 14, you're sleeping with your mom. Yeah. <laughs> My mom and I... <laughs> My mom and I Netflixed and chilled it. No, that movie, you know, that movie means a lot to me. And when I saw that movie, I just, it, 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 it was such an emotional experience for someone who's 14 and you're so largely responsible for that experience. And I, I remember going like, oh my God, that guy is so special. And just really became a huge fan of you uh, with that movie. <clears throat> Um, sincerely. Now, what happens to, to your ego at, at 19 when that happens? Ugh, do, do you, this, you stopped, you guys stopped going to bar mitzvahs, didn't you, during this period? <laughs> it's, I have to imagine it is... We're not going to start talking about his ego, are we? Well, that's... That's our main ooh, focus. That's, uh, that's what we talk about. Sorry, what, I, what I would like to say 
Well, tr- one, one truth, Vincent might say otherwise, but one truth is I had actually been so scarred from the experience as a kid that it, it took me a long time to register that people like Dead Poet Society because the whole experience on the Explorers, everybody told me the movie was brilliant, right? Yeah. Everybody close to me kept saying, oh, it's brilliant, you're brilliant, you're brilliant. And, you're and I knew the world star. hated it. So Dead Poet Society was coming out and everybody's like, oh, you're brilliant, you're brilliant. And, uh, and I just didn't believe them. I just wanted not to be a casualty, you know, not to be one of those teen actors that turns their life into a disaster. I, I was, uh, I had dropped out of college and my parents were really worried about me and I really wanted to work and put one foot in the front of the other and prove that I was right to drop out of college. And so in a way, my ego might have clearly been affected in some way, but I was so sure that whatever success I was having was gonna be so short-lived that I just wanted to use it to get through doors, you know, right. so that uh, that was really how I felt. So and, yeah, it didn't, it didn't cure the fear that we all kind of carry, in particular in your case, having had that experience. Um, and I can see that keeping you humble, but just the being 19 and going places and people saying hi to you and girls all of a sudden wanting to talk to you. Yeah, that was good. That's a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot to juggle at 19. Like yeah. I rode a wheelie on a dirt bike and I thought I was fucking Elvis Presley. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's kind of hard to keep that thing, uh, you know, in the saddle. Did you have someone in your life that was that checking in with you? Did you were you staying connected? Did you have a mentor? Like, how did you navigate that? Because you didn't implode as many people did. I didn't implode. Um, I <laughs> stop it, stop it, stop it, stop. Vincent knows some shit. Yeah, Vincent, really knows. like Vincent, I can tell you, Vincent knows he wore like a leather jacket for a month that was way out of his league or yeah. something. Yeah, no, yeah. it was way worse than that. Way worse than that. <laughs> um, I guess you could say that what I. I don't know how I survived. I look back, I frankly, I just don't know. You know, there but for the grace of God go I is what I want to answer. I don't know why I didn't get run over. I don't know. You know, Amanda Peterson, you know, passed away a couple years ago. You know, Rivers passed away a long time ago now. This is, is, these are, we make jokes about how your ego can sustain, but you know, egos are ferocious creatures and they can destroy our lives if we don't keep them in check. And I, I don't know, part of it is a bio chemistry, you know, something that you're just born with. I, I have, you know, we talked about stepfathers. I remember I made my Broadway debut in, um, uh, in this, in a Chekhov play, right? I'm 21. It's a couple years after what you're talking about. And <laughs> this is, this is life for you. Actually, I remember this because the stage looked a lot like this right now. I remember walking out onto stage thinking, isn't this weird? I'm making my Broadway debut. I'm playing Constantine. And it's just one of the greatest parts ever written. And I'm not nervous at all. I'm going to slay this part. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, that's like a, you were back on the dance floor at the Bar Mitzvah. Yeah. And guess what? The, re, the reviews, the reviews showed that I wasn't taking it seriously enough. Do you know? My point being is, is that, well, I wasn't going to go with that. But I had, I had confidence. And I loved what I was doing. But I did have great people in my life. And I remember the opening night, like, I went to light a cigarette and literally four um, lighters came out from agents. 
and uh-huh. managers and people like that. Because you know, when you're 21, your future income is, you know, you, you know they'll, they're willing to take a bet. And my stepfather saw this moment and, and he took me aside and he said, you know, something along the lines of you're acting like an entitled little shit. Ah. To, you, you know? And that these guys are kissing your ass and you think it's so great, but you know, you should be home because you weren't that good. You weren't as good as you can be. And you know that, mm. you, you know? And he was always challenging me to not... Hey, remember he used to say, he would say really wise things to me like, it's always hard to tell when people are full of shit when they're complimenting you. Not because you're a bad person, but because you want to believe them. Oh, it's right? delicious. You, so yeah. when the guy goes, you're the next Marlon Brando, you think, really? Mm-hmm. You, you know, like you don't, you don't think, obvi- you, you know what I mean? It's so hard when you're in that seat to see clearly. And so the, that's the long answer. The short answer is I got spared somehow. I made it through a gauntlet that I didn't deserve to make it through. I don't know. I don't know how I ended up getting to be 47, sitting here talking with you yeah. and getting to have this kind of- But I also think knowing him, and it's why one of the reasons why we bonded is that neither of, we've always had a, we've always been able to, especially when we were younger, no matter how crazy things were getting and how many opportunities we had put in front of us, that we were always able to step out of ourselves a bit and see ourselves a little bit, you know? And I think that's because of people like your stepdad and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And people like and people my like you. I mean, we could do that for each other. I mean, Vincent came to one of the first book readings I ever did, you know? And i never forget, we had this very funny experience. We're walking out of the bookstore and there were all these lovely people there, one of his sons. And this one guy really wanted to give me a manuscript. And we were being rushed somewhere else. You remember this? And, and we got rushed in the back of a town car and we got sat back in there. And this guy said, please, will you read this thing? And the door shut and we both looked at each other and, and, and you said, Samuel Beckett. We just slammed the door on Samuel Beckett, you know? And this, I, I mentioned only because that's the value of our French. We were always reminding each other yeah. Well, lucky it was to be in the seat we're in and how we don't deserve to be here. Right. Do, you, you know? and, then the, and then the tail end of what I was going to say goes a little darker, which is... Um, Should I take my pants off? La- <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I was going to say yes. <laughs> but, but later in life, both of us had similar things too that we you could say barely survived yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, what, we're trying to, what he's trying to say is yeah. that we're not like choir boys over here no. saying that we're like such good people. I think that goes without because saying. Because of friends that yeah. say, well, I have. Uh, I don't think anyone I, I here have, thinks that you're Kirk Cameron. Yeah, I, yeah. I have fallen. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Do you know who you. he is? I, yes, okay. I do know who he is. Uh, <laughs> I've fallen on my ass many times and, and I don't know. It, it, sometimes I really, I'll tell you a story. I'm scared to say this because it's really sad and really strange, but um, I hope this is okay. Uh, I, I mean, you're laughing, but I'm not. I'm not actually. But I, I was 14, and River Phoenix and I stole a pack of cigarettes together. Right? We both we watched, you know, some weird thing on James Dean or something. We wanted to smoke Camel on filters, right? And so we went, and back in those days, you could put them in a bar. 
Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean? So we got some quarters and we hid from the guy. We put him in and we went out to this old, uh, it was a, we weren't in high school. We were making a movie, but other people were in high school. And we went out to this back of this high school field next to this, uh, you know, the goalposts. And we smoked three cigarettes in a row, right? And I remember River puked. He turned green and he puked. And, and I didn't. Hmm. And I thought of that the night he died. Yeah. It's not, it's not up to us. How, we don't know how strong our bodies are. We don't know. And, and some people can do asinine things. And they drive home drunk and they park the car and they wake up in the morning and they go to an Alcoholics Anonymous and they save their life and they tell the story. And some people crash and burn and die. Yeah. And it's, it's not, there's no like pithy statement where, well, because I had friends, Oh, I no, made no, no. it. Listen, you, you, know what, what, you, what you don't know about me is I'm 14 years sober, and I've had probably eight. Thank you. I've had eight good buddies die in the fucking cocktail. Every time it comes out with the cocktail, is I'm like, I've been on that exact same combination 25 times, and they had two. And you just don't know why that night. So, and that's why yeah. I'm saying, like, the, the universe. The truth is. The universe is moving in these ways that we don't really know. But one thing we know is we know when we're hurting ourselves. We know it. Yeah. We know when we're out of alignment with some... The symmetry of it all. You yeah. feel it in your heart. Yeah. And you feel it when something is fun and when something is malevolent. Mm -hmm. And when you get attached to malevolent forces inside yourself, bad shit goes down. And good friends say... Remember, we talked about this, remember? And you go, no, we didn't. That's not what I mean. And then you hang up the phone. You're like, that is what I meant. Damn yeah, it. Yeah. And it haunts you. But and hopefully you can pull yourself out of those negative tailspins. You yeah. know? And, uh, so well, a theory, one theory I have on you is what's kept you uh, right-sized is um, you have an incredible work ethic. For whatever reason, again, maybe biochemically, maybe your stepdad. No, he does. But you're an industrious does. motherfucker. Yeah, he is. Suspiciously, you've written three books, directed three movies. You mean somebody else must And directed have did three it? plays. Why is it suspicious? Because three, three, three. <laughs> three movies, three plays, three books. Well, that, that means when he does another one, your whole theory goes out the fucking window. <laughs> yeah. I'll never talk to what him again. What kind of theory yeah. is that? No, no. He does a fourth of anything. I bet you I'm to out. say your whole thing is totally wrong. I've actually directed four movies oh, and I've written four novels. Oh, come and on. So you're, you're off track. Dude. I'm going to sue Wikipedia. But you can go with uh, the three thing. If you would, By the way, I my would. Wikipedia page I just discovered last week says my name is Daximus. <laughs> That's true. It's not Daximus. Hey, you know, since you're talking about moms, I, I don't even think I told you this. This is what's funny about the time period we live in. My mom goes on my Wikipedia page and tries to correct it. Sure. You know, and, and they won't let her. You know, right. like, they'll have my son's name yeah. wrong, right? And she'll be like, no, I'm his grandmother. Yeah. His son's name is yeah. this. And they go, no, it's not. We I, know. We, in Vogue magazine, 1997, yeah. it says this. She's like, yeah, but that was wrong. And I'm his grandmother. I'm like, no, you're not. Yeah. I swear to God, I only learned of this because someone tweeted me, I named my son after you, Daximus. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Uh-oh. Hold on. Is the ink dry on the birth certificate? Because I'm not Daximus. I said, where'd you get Daximus? And then it was a screen grab of Wikipedia. So then I went there and I tried to correct it. 
And then I learned I've been banned. This is true. Yeah, I've been banned from Wikipedia because I wrote something yeah. to pervert it or something. Yeah. I've never written anything to Wikipedia, yeah. and I'm fucking banned. That's Daximus not true. Wrote it. Daximus is behind all this. Is Daximus an actual name? Maybe in third century Rome. Yeah. <laughs> like Certainly Maxim not in Detroit Maximus in the Daximus. 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Maximus Daximus. Yeah. Or like one of those guys in the strongman contest. Yes. Like Magnus ver Magnus. Yeah. So you're an industrious dude and you've... Um, He's nonstop. He's just nonstop. It's really impressive, but I, what's impressive about sure. it isn't the obvious, that you're a hard worker. I think that that's awesome and there's a lot of people that are hard workers. To me, what's really admirable about it is when you are known as an actor and people like you and they like you in that lane and you come out and you go but I'm a poet they go fuck you <laughs> or you go but I play bass and I want it's weirdly scarier when you have something you've excelled at and then you're going to start all over again and try something completely unproven that you know the bar is going to be high and that the critics are going to be rough so that is what I admire about you, is that you would go, fuck it, I'm gonna do this. And you had to have recognized the stakes or the risks, yeah? And it just didn't stop you. Well, I don't know what other people think about, but I often think about my obituary. Okay. You, you know, I, I, really, I really find myself thinking about it. And like, I remember this filmmaker, Michael Amareda, offered me a film of Hamlet. And I remember a couple, my, People around me, friends, and they're saying, don't play Hamlet. It's so pretentious. People think you're so pretentious already. If you play Hamlet, I mean, if you play Hamlet, they're just going to make fun of you so much. And, and I remember, it's just, I, it's just my brain. My brain thought, yeah, but I'll play Hamlet. Yeah. You know, like, big fucking deal. They make fun of me. And I felt like when, if you can't take being made fun of, yeah. right? If you can't take it, then they're right. The funny thing is, I realize this, if you know, people would say, oh, he's writing a novel, he wants to be taken seriously. And my, I remember my brain went, well, no, I don't. If I want to be taken seriously, I'd keep acting. Like, I know I'm gonna get made fun of, so why would you say that? But then I realized that, oh, do I want to be taken seriously? Because if this hurts my feeling, cl feelings, clearly I do. Uh -huh. And I remember thinking, you know what, no. I don't want to be taken seriously. I remember this, it, this setting, there's a great Allen Ginsberg interview when he, you remember he was on Carson and he would chant Hare Krishna. And like, I don't know if it's true or not, but the story is like William Burroughs or Kerouac or one of the guys said afterwards, don't you know the whole country's making fun of you? And he said, yeah, I know, but I'm a poet. And that's my job. My job is to fuck up the Johnny Carson show and make <laughs> everybody realize that we're, well, this is our life. You know, like, wake up, wake up, wake up. We're alive right now. You know, and that it's my job is not for everybody to like me or say, good job. What a nice poet. That's a good rhyme. Yeah. That's not my job. Yeah. You know, and I remember thinking, that's so cool. Uh, so what, what's cool is if, you, if you're following your North Star and you're able to kind of put everyone else's opinion, uh, dial it to a, you know, a, mute it down enough, you can end up succeeding whether or not anyone else thinks so, right? Which is a very liberating thing. So you've made a few movies, and I, would, I wonder if you feel this way, that if you make the movie you wanted to see, you've won. Is that how you approach making a movie? 
You've cursed in the show, right? You said, like, yeah. I, I call it the fuck you power. Okay. Right? Great. And the power is like, Vince and I did a play together once. It's, uh, it's, it was called Clive, and it's based on Breck's Ball. It's a modern. And if you do Breck's Ball, Breck's Ball is not trying to be liked. Breck's Ball's trying to be incendiary in the same way that like early punk rock bands would get on stage and just scream. Mm. It's kind of designed to make you go, to wake you up. You're coming to the theater, you want to kind of fall asleep and have a nice hazy dream that lets you cry at the right time. And Brecht was saying, no, people are, you know, I mean, he's, he's trying to violently wake you up. And Vince and I worked in this play and we got to a place, I remember it was really fun of sitting there and looking at the set, looking at what we're doing and going, I believe in it. Do you? And it's a great feeling. When you know you do, and when we didn't believe it, we kept working. And you know, we kept working, we kept numb, and we're, okay, we got it. This is what, we'll die on this hill. Uh-huh, yeah. And, and I'm okay dying. You, say, you don't have to like it. I'm not saying that it, it's actually good or something. I have no opinion about whether it's good or not good. It's what we were trying to do, to your point. Yeah. And when you've done that, you can say, yeah, I remember like, I knew, say another actor in the show, I knew he was good in the show. I didn't think he was good in the show. I didn't hope he was good in the show. I didn't wonder if she was good in the show. I knew they were. Mm -hmm. And that's called the fuck you power. So if somebody writes something bad about him, fuck you, you're wrong. And right. you, you have to kind of hold that in your, because everybody's got an opinion in the arts. Well, also, and, and they're allowed it. That's the job of it. They're allowed not to like it. They're not bad because they don't like it. They're right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, and but and you're also in a business. We all the are. coffee is really hitting in, Dex. I'm really getting oh, passionate. Oh, good, good, yeah. good. Okay. Yeah, it's creeper coffee. Yeah, it hits you right at the 30 minute marker. Um, <laughs> but we're in a business where you you do movies and you try your hardest on all of them, presumably. And then there's this huge element of luck that no one really can factor in. And 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 you you've had movies that were huge hits. You've had movies that weren't. And you probably there's no barometer while making them, or you know, Never occasionally did. you know you're in something that a ship that's taken on water well, but when he's working with me he knows <laughs> back up the Brinks, gonna be okay. the Brinks yeah. truck it's yeah. gonna be all right yeah <laughs> start shopping for property yeah. but because it's it's so uh, unknown really what you have to hold on to or the thing that you can own is just the experience itself right you got to learn to kind of love and value the process because that's the thing that really your your life's really the process it's not about that weekend where there was a power outage on the East Coast and no one went to the movies or all these different variables. So knowing that you seem, and from the outside, I don't know what your internal uh, dialogue has been, but you seem to, some, to be someone that's had a really healthy relationship with I'm going to go do a play. No, now I'm going to stop and I'm going to write a book. Now I'm going to do this. Like it doesn't appear that you've taken the low hanging fruit too often. Like, let's just bring up Training Day, which is another fucking gangster movie. Oh, my God. Um, when you've had those moments of a ton of capital because you've yeah. just been in something really successful, how is it you've been able to decide, no, I'm still going to I'm going to focus on this next thing that I really care about and not take that that low hanging fruit? Or have you taken it? And I just didn't realize it. Because you have, you're a human being. You have bills and shit, I presume, yeah, oh, right? You're not oh, independently yeah. wealthy. And the problem is, if you, if you, uh, you know, that's a funny thing. I, 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 I was when I was Vincent knows this. I don't know if you remember this, but I, it's so cliche what I'm about to say. Great. It's so cliche. I'm turning forty, and I can't believe it. 
I, I, I can't, it, it comes out of nowhere to me. All of a sudden I turn 40 and I've been the youngest my whole life. You know, I was 13, every, when I signed at my agency, I was the youngest client they had. My whole viewpoint was that of the youngest person in the room. And all of a sudden I was 40. And I, I, I couldn't make sense out of that. I'm like, directors were younger than me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I just, my brain just wrestled with it. And I went online to try to figure out what actors I admire. You know, like, how, how am I going to live? All this energy we spend with young people, teaching them how to be like 38, how to be 40. When you grow up and you're doing what you want to be, what's supposed to happen after that? Right. right. You know, like there's not this big energy of teaching 40 year olds how to be 88. Right. They, they're like, no. like, and, and you're and, fucking and, on and, your own at and, that point. And, yeah. and kids are like, why would you care? Like, man, I want to live and yeah. I want to do shit. I want somebody to tell me how to do this. I want to not screw up my life. I want to not like, so I'm, I'm having these thoughts of like, how the hell am I going to be an 80 year old? I like, you know, and most of the, and, so I started thinking about like, okay, I like Jason Robards, right? And I started reading about Jason. I'm, I'm up all night because I was shooting a movie and I was away from my family. And I'm like, I decided that um, uh, Christopher Plummer, Christopher Plummer. Yeah. What a class act, man. This guy, I love his acting. I started, and I started like going inside me, you know, insider and like going through, he, he's even got a little part in Malcolm X. He's always doing something interesting. He's playing King Lear. He's doing, he's Canadian. He's perfect, you know? Sure. And, and uh, they teach it up there. And then my, and then my heart breaks. Independently wealthy. Uh-huh. Because I was like, how do you not, how do you make all these artists, his family's from like a Canadian railway or something. Mm. And I mean, it doesn't take his greatness away, but it does mean the one well, of the things I was, no, what, one of the things. Canadian that, oligarch, boo. <laughs> I love the guy. What I'm not saying, <laughs> the thing I was wrestling with is how am I supposed to keep chasing my dreams mm-hmm. and do all the things I want to do? And I've, you know, Ryan was pregnant with Indiana and it was my fourth kid, you know? And so, I, and I was the, Economy was falling apart, and I was—it was—I'd made it to forty before I was—I'd hit that moment where you're scared shitless about money. Sure. Like, and all of a sudden, I just was—I'd never. When Dead Poets Society came out, I got paid thirty grand. I literally—I remember sitting in this apartment in New York and thinking, "I'm the richest person I know." Sure. I've never met anybody richer than me. You're probably the richest nineteen-year-old in the city. Yeah. I remember I went—I went grocery shopping. You know, I bought mac and cheese. I bought whatever I wanted. (laughs) You know, I I bought the large Cheerios. I didn't give a shit. You know what I mean? And and, and, gray poupon mustard. Yeah, man. If I wanted it, as many hot dogs. As I wanted. Uh, I remember I went national, to the, bitch. I, I, went, <laughs> I had a I had a Tyco racetrack in my apartment. I got three of them to make it really big because I thought girls would like that. They didn't. They weren't impressed. Um, but anyway, so the point. What am I, oh, so Christopher Plummer and I was thinking, damn it. I can't be Christopher Plummer because he clearly got to do King Lear, got to do make all these choices because he could make these choices. I don't even know the man, right? But I, in my imagination, I was thinking he could make these choices just based on art. Yeah. And I was feeling all these like, damn it, I was going to let everybody, you know, if I don't follow my heart, I'm going to let myself down. If I, if I do, I'm going to let my family down. Yeah. And it was a very, it was a kind of crisis moment for me. And I realized how much I wished I wanted to be independently wealthy. Yeah. 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 
I actually have more respect for people when they are independently wealthy and they are successful. Like Julia Louis Dreyfus, she's from the Dreyfus family. She's amazing and she's a billionaire. Her family's billionaires. I'm like, God bless her. She got a work ethic. I want it. I know. I know. I'd be with the it's Russian so oligarchs and fucking Ibiza, like popping Magnum fucking champagne yeah, bottles. That'd be good for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of jewelries. <laughs> that'd be really good yeah. for you. Yeah. All right, well, listen, we're running out of time, and what I really want to talk about is two things that you have currently in the marketplace. One of them is called First Reformed, which I watched. Did you, have you guys seen this? It's unbelievable. It's so fucking good. Oh, my God. Um, you're so riveting. So is the, the guy at the beginning. Yeah. Who's that guy? Did you see it, Vincent? What's that? Did you see the movie? No, I could give a yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the movie's like one of my favorite things he's ever done, and this kid is amazing. Yeah, he's talking yeah. about. He's so an I amazing young actor. Him. He, he's awesome. he plays Michael, and I'm a priest, and I'm counseling him. He's a guy who's having a, a, a deep crisis because his wife, he's a young man, they're expecting a baby, and he doesn't want to bring a child into this world when he's really worried about the future. And, and the climate. The climate the change yeah. and what's happening. And it, it, it's breaking his heart because he, and he really wants me as a religious leader to provide some leadership. Say, what are we doing? And what is the church doing for, the for God's earth? Yeah. What, what, what are we doing? Where are the grownups? And how can I pretend to be a grown-up for this child when all the grown-ups aren't taking care of the earth? What do we care? All these issues are totally irrelevant if the earth catches on fire, you know? And the, the, the filmmaking is so brilliant because in the back, he's got, the whole time we're having this conversation, he's got a screensaver of yeah. the temperature of the earth every decade 80, of the last, 80, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's just getting hotter and hotter. And it's a very, very well-made movie. Paul Schrader wrote Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, American Jiggle. He's a great filmmaker, and uh, it's... It's a cool kind of throwback filmmaking style. And the reason it's why he did refreshing. that different form that you're talking about is it makes your eye think differently. Yeah. It's a throwback to Bresson or Bergman films, and all of a sudden your brain goes, wait, is this an old movie? But and This is one compliment I'm going to force you to listen to because it really hit me in boyhood. I think you're a tremendous actor, uh, but you're not a flashy actor. Uh, and I say that as a compliment. But I I'll tell you, when the, the power of your acting became crystal clear to me was in Boyhood, because you were dealing with a lot of actors who were young, and you were filming at different stages of their life, and they're real human beings. So when they're six and eight years old or whatever, they probably are not very self-aware. And then when they get to be teenagers, they're very self-aware and they're starting to define their identity and think of how they're coming across. So it was interesting to just watch them as humans, the kids go through that. And what, what I think is a testament to your acting is those kids were at their best every single time when they were in scenes with you. You bring out such great performances in people. Something about what you do makes people feel so at ease and so comfortable and it was just, it's so glaring in, in boyhood. And I think that's such a tremendous um, marker of a great actor. <laughs> and you could miss it. But watch boyhood and watch those kids in scenes with all different people and then just watch them with Ethan. They just lock in and they're real as it gets. And it's weird because you're not thinking to evaluate Ethan's acting, but that's really what's happening there. And it's really impressive. I mean, I don't have yeah. to say this, but you know that the difference between doing something like this with Dax and doing another thing is that Dax actually means what he says. 
Yeah, you're That's an incredible true. motherfucker. It's impressive as hell. Um, when I worked with Vincent, he makes me worse, but I, that's not because he's not a. It's not because he's not a great actor. Because I try and sabotage your performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it becomes your little like they say every actor has a secret, and your secret is to destroy me in every scene we've ever been in. <laughs> yeah, and uh, to so, try to make the director dislike you. <laughs> so first, uh, first reform, you guys should see it. It's it's fantastic. But then you also have uh, a movie out that you directed and you wrote. Uh, and you have a writing partner uh, in that one. Did you write that with someone? I wrote it with Sybil Rosen, the woman who was, she wrote a book called Living in the Woods in a Tree, which is, the movie's called Blaze, and it's about this singer-songwriter Blaze Foley, and she was his lover and partner, and I co-wrote oh, it with her. No shit, the, yeah. the alley? The, yeah, the alley of Shawcat plays her in the movie, and ah. so it's, it's really her story. Oh, wow. And we worked on it together because, you know, I didn't know the man, and she did. Right. Um, it, it's incredible, and um, the performance by Ben Dickey. How, how did, if you guys well, haven't I, seen Blaze, you got to go see it. Well, this, let me this. let me tell you a little bit about that because the man sitting right to my right. One of the things I took a huge gamble, and I wanted to make a movie about music, and I wanted to cast musicians. So I, I knew this musician I loved. His name's Ben Dickey, and. I watched his band for years and I'd always wanted him to act because he has a powerful charisma when he's on stage playing. And, and if I, I thought about this idea of, well, if I was making a movie about a blues musician, you know, uh, I should get a musician. I got Charlie Sexton, who, who is one of the best guitarists of, of my generation. But when we were starting this journey together, Ben had never acted before. And I was going to put him in, he's in, you know, every scene. It's not a little performance. It's a, it's a big, a bravura performance. So I sent him to Vincent's house, you know? Oh boy. Uh, you know, Vincent is the only, I shouldn't say only, uh, but when I think of the people, when you are 18 and in front of the camera, you learn by fire. I've learned on my own, pretty much. And I've read books and I see other people's work, but I've pretty much cobbled together my own education. But the person who reached inside me and spoke to me about acting in a way that made sense was Vincent. We, we met very young and- No, Vincent like, Price. Is, yeah, oh, no, not him. Different Vincent. No, but yeah. Oh, I, I thought I, everybody I, just assumed it was Vincent Price. This, <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. There's, there's a joke I, I like to make, you know, like every year you watch the Oscars and you watch these big showy performances. And I, and, and I always, I'll lean over to my wife and say, it's so funny about acting, right? Which is that most of the people that win these prizes and stuff are working with a world-class director, with a world-class uh, cinematographer, with the best, with a Pulitzer Prize winning yeah. writer. Hans They're Zimmer working, scoring it. Yeah, they yeah. got the best musician scoring. If you weren't good in those movies, you suck. If you watch Criminal Intent every <laughs> night, okay? <laughs> I, I, my wife and I watch Criminal Intent like this is an Academy Award winning performance. There's no lighting. There's no lighting. There's no plot. And the guy's fucking brilliant. Give it to some English dork who, you know, I mean, Jesus, <laughs> makes me crazy. And um, so I, 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 sent, I sent Ben to, to Vincent, and it was one of the most, my, my, we had some charity function, like, in, 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 Ben went over for his first workshop meeting with Vincent, and I was so nervous. 
because I was like, what was I going to, I was deep in already, you know, I'd raised some money, I had this, and I was like, what am I going to do if Vincent says this guy can't act, you know what I mean? Because it was a, it was a big gamble. I really didn't know, you know, I, my How gut, could you? You my gut said, this guy has yeah. something in him that's dying to get out. And music is where it's channeled right now. But if we could, if I could just change that dial and let him apply his artistry in this other medium and have it be in a subject matter about a musician who couldn't get it out. Do you, you know, the yeah. subject matter and the performance could be an intersection that was what cinema loves, right? And I remember we were at this like function and then I saw that you called and I was like, I, but I couldn't pick up the phone because I had to, so I went to the bathroom, you know, to listen to the message and I couldn't bear it. And, and, I, and it said, it, it said, you are so fucked. And then I lost it. I was like, I was like, I was like oh, oh, fuck. And I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And then I pressed like replay. And he's like, you are so fucking lucky. This kid is so good. And, you know, and, and then you sent me some stuff that you guys were working on. And, and you make him sound like a jeweler in the diamond district. Like you got your hands on a jewel. You got to send it over to him. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's a little bit like that. Dude. We do that a lot. It, 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 we actually do that a lot. Yeah, we do it a lot. And, and you know, the funny thing is sometimes what Ben would say if he was here is it's, it's kind of like you just put him on a path of what acting wasn't. Right. He had this idea about what acting was, like a lot of people do. What's very hard to do is get rid of those phony ideas. And you gave him permission to channel the same guts, the same heart, lungs, guts into, that he used in his music. See, no, 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 it's not, just take that, put it on the line, put it on the text. Put it, put it here, put it in your guts and give it here and connect and connect and connect, you know? Your, your turn is coming, my friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, it is. Well, this is very reminiscent about what Vincent says about my acting, which is don't ever take a class because the one little thing you do well, it might kill. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a wonderful thing. And, and I, I could be on set with Ben and I could say, because I know Vincent really well, and I could, I, I could say just little key words that Ben would know exactly what I was talking about. And, and it just unlocked. And I'm really great. One of the reasons why I'm so grateful to be here with you, and I know that you guys are great friends. And um, all joking aside, I, I know I, you, since the time that I agreed to be here, you can't believe how many people told me how lucky I am. No, like, like, you know, people really, really, really have. And so I, I really want to thank you. But I really also wanted to take an opportunity to publicly, for Ben and I, to say thank you to Vincent. You know, Ben's, it's been an amazing experience putting this performance. If you get a chance, come see it. It's called Blaze. He's unbelievable. Yeah, he's unbelievable. And yeah. It's, uh, he and Charlie and Alia, Josh, they're all, it's all, oh, I'm really proud he's of He's so act. good that I went, oh, this guy's probably a huge star that gained a bunch of weight and I don't recognize no, him. Yeah. Like that had, that's my no, only yeah. explanation. No, it was that Christian Bale. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 that part. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just waiting to see in the credits. Yeah, right. Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, I, I, I want to thank you both. You know, the best part about, I, well, my, my favorite thing about um, getting to do this job we're so lucky to do is, is not all the things that I thought were going to be great. You know, uh, I, I thought money would be more fun than it is. I certainly don't want to give it up, but 
I thought I would be thirsting the howl and people carry my shit around, whatever. <laughs> just wasn't that. The thing I didn't expect that is the hugest gift of all this is we get to meet each other and you get to hang with people who have dedicated themselves to this kind of exploration and you guys have met each other and isn't that's really the number one thing, isn't it? Isn't yes. that the best part of this? Yes. It's funny, my son, today, my son's 16, and, you know, he's studying history and everything as he does, and he was thinking about the expression, the pursuit of happiness, and he was like, isn't that actually everything? It's the pursuit of it. People think it's going to be grabbing it, holding it, like I can own it, like I can put it in my bank account, or I can build it, or I can, it's actually the pursuit of happiness is happiness. Yeah. It's, it's relationships. When you think back in the favorite moments of your life, they're like, go into the party. You, you yeah. know, it's, it's walking somewhere through the park when it snowed. They're all, it's always so simple. Connecting with another person is probably the best thing that's ever going to happen to yeah, you. The struggle to, to achieve 100%, even though you know you can't, as an actor, that ends up to be your performance. That struggle, the pursuit. Where you, where you fall is actually the most interesting part. Same way with your kids. You know, your kids always hate whatever is unique about them. You know, whatever is like their weird eccentric thing. Yeah, That's my kid's a, got a horn, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I did want to talk. I'd probably remove that, but never. Uh, no, you know what I mean. What, yeah. what, what's unique about us is what we, we feel shame about. And oftentimes that right. shame creates tripping behavior. The truth is, that's what's beautiful. And the same thing as an actor. Your shortcomings, if you let them be, are actually going to be what's most interesting. Yeah. You know? Yes, yeah, for sure. Uh, I just need to know really quick, the first time you saw uh, Vincent's character in Mag 7, you know, what, what, was, what was your reaction to that? <laughs> I was the first person to see it. You were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you guys seen Vince, Vincent, those who haven't Mag, seen Mag 7? 7, Vincent, he, he's amazing in the movie. And they hired him to be this big, macho, Paul Bunyan type guy. And Vincent were on the car going to set, and he's like, we're driving, and, and he says, you know sometimes really tough guys have really high voices? And you kind of think it's funny that this tough guy has this high voice. He's like, I'm gonna do that. And, 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 and I was like, I was like, no, you're not. Don't do that. I'm so glad you brought and, it up. And, 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 but I cannot tell you, I was there first time when Denzel, Chris Pratt, Antoine Fuqua, all the producers and Vincent's on stage going, hey guys, what about here? And, 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 and you should see Denzel going. <laughs> Because everybody's trying to be so macho, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, and then, but the funny thing, because Vincent's so intimidating, I just watched, nobody said anything. <laughs> nobody said anything. And, and everybody's like, okay, yeah. And, 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 uh, and, and Antoine goes like, do you want to do another take? And Vincent's like, no. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, and so, and then I saw the producers all like scurry over and start whispering yeah, in Antoine's yeah, yeah, yeah. ears. And I just saw you, Antoine go, you tell him. <laughs> oh my God. That's the advantage of being a full-blown lunatic. Everybody's yeah. scared of you. Yeah. Um, speaking of Vincent's special abilities, he's promised me something today. Um, if anyone listened to his episode, he revealed something so exciting. He said he's going to do a little magic trick for us. So and I'm the magician's assistant, so this is my dream come true. 
It's gonna be really super quick. This is gonna play so well on the podcast. <laughs> That's what you get for coming to a live show. You get something special. So the, the thing about magic... Oh, boy. <laughs> the thing about magic. And the I'm reason so why I stopped doing it is because <laughs> I find it to be one of the most unsexy things no, ever. Monica, no, Monica. that's the whole this thing. This is the one woman. That's right. Okay, so... Yeah. Corinne, you better watch your man right now because uh, Monica's about to come unglued. So two pieces of paper. Okay. This is called a trading thing, but we both, right... Okay? Sure. So I need to take one. You take one. Hold your hand. Okay. Hold it tight, though. Okay. The thing is to hold it tight. Put your hand over here. Oh, boy. I'm so nervous. <laughs> Before you do the trick, can I just ask you really quick, how many years since you've done this trick? 30? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even know if... I don't know if it's going to work. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but the magic word is fuck it. Okay. Okay. So... Fuck it and tap my hand. Fuck it. No, fuck it first and then tap my hand. messed it up. All right. Fuck it. <gasps> okay, so for the... So... For, for the listeners at home, what just happened was Vincent bisected Monica. Yep, 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 pretty much. He juggled her torso and legs, threw her up in the air, scatty wampus, and when she landed, she was a perfect snowman. Metaphorically, that's exactly what just happened. Well, you guys, you got to go. I also want to mention, Vincent, you made a movie called The Kid that Ethan's in, and he, you, you directed that movie. I did, I did. And, 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 and uh, how was that experience for you? It was the first time in my life that I've been directed by somebody who knows a tremendous amount about acting. I mean, it was one of the things... It was so much fun. We made a Western called The Kid. It's a retelling of the Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid story. Dane Dehan plays Billy the Kid. I play Pat Garrett. Uh, Chris Pratt. What, what happened there? Something this. Second, second magic trick is he breaks the microphone. Yeah. Right. And uh, we shot it out in New Mexico. It was, it was a lot of work for you, but it was a lot of fun for me. And um, Did you try a new accent like, hi, guys. Stick them up, motherfuckers. Been nice to give him a taste of his own you know, medicine. You know, the, 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 the thing is, when it comes to him, it's like he's like the perfect Pat Garrett. Like, you just, he could play Pat Garrett right now on the stage. I mean, it's like he is Pat. Like, but the, I'll tell you this, thank you. But the amazing thing is about Vincent is his understanding of acting is actually really, he's been doing it a long time. He's taught it for a long time. He knows a lot about it and the, the nuance of it. And one of the things, here's an interesting thing. You, training day, I'm going in for my screen test. Who do I call? Vincent, right? And I'm like, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. And it's not what you think about a voice or a tagging it or something. There's a, there's a time for that and there's a time for something. Because I was all worried about how I was gonna bring, how I was gonna do this with the character, I was gonna do this, I needed a secret, I needed this. And, and Vincent basically said, what if, let's play a game. What if you were enough? Hmm. What if there was no secret? What if you went in and looked, you just go in 
You're good. You know who this guy is. Be you in this situation. Look Denzel in the eyes and answer him honestly. Just like the same thing I would say to Ben when we were doing Blaze. You know, be you. Breathe and respond. Find your Breathe. voice. And, and don't, don't be fancy. Don't be important. Don't, don't be amazing. Disappear. Disappear with him in his imagination. Go, go, fly. And it was very liberating, the idea of what if I am enough? Like, what if I don't have to be better than I am to be good? You know, and it's one of the things that's really hard about working with great people, you know, like somebody like Denzel Washington, somebody who really excels Grandma. at what they do. You have to believe in yourself or you completely let them down. Because, you know, being intimidated by them is not helpful to them. You know, that is not, I keep my daughters going into acting now. And that's one of the big things you have to say is like, they're not there to teach you. They're not your dad. I am. You come to me with this stuff. But when you show up on set, do your thing. Have an idea. I mean, that's what, it does make Magnificent Seven a richer, more full movie that that guy is not a cardboard cutout of another macho person. Vincent is putting a human being in the middle of this you know, swashbuckling Western and in the movies better for it. But nobody told him to do that. He's not waiting for permission to do that. You got to go claim that. And, and Vincent gave me permission to do that on training day. And it was a huge leap in my life. You know? Well, we are both lucky to have Vincent in our corner. And that's I why we didn't talk to him sweet, the whole podcast. Now he's the sweetest. He doesn't want to be here. He came out here to help me talk to you, and I love you so much. You're the sweetest. Of course, Monica, I love you. Ethan, thank you so much for coming. So great to talk to you and meet with you. You guys, put it together. Great to meet you, Zach. Yeah. Hey, fact check, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Hey, fact check. Hey, fact check. Hey, fact check, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Hey, fact check. Hey, fact check. That was to Hey Mickey. I know. Cool. You know that song? I do. I actually do. Hey, Mickey, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Wouldn't you love to be Mickey in that song? I don't even know if Mickey's a boy or a girl in this scenario. Or a mouse. Or a mouse, a very famous mouse. Could be. If it was about Mickey Mouse, I bet he didn't even care because he gets so much attention anyways. Yeah, everyone already knows he's fine. He's very fine. He knows that about himself. He's one of the sexiest mice I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. You know? Top three for sure. Yeah, yeah. behind um, Mighty Mouse and oh. Modest Mouse. Mm -mm. All very fine mice. That's true. Don't The three... The three blind the three mice blind, suck. No, I think they're... What do you mean they no, suck? No, fuck, Mary kill. You're killing the three blind mice. I don't think so. I think they're incredibly resourceful. They're blind and they're still doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, um, three blind mice, see how they run. They run. Okay. All right. What else are they doing that's impressive? Go on. I don't remember <laughs> the rest of the rhyme. So They're, they're to be admired because yeah. they're persevering even despite the blindness exactly but that doesn't put them on my hot lit list all right well my, you care about things that are different than what i care about right you care about running personality well hold on no one said that these mice have a good personality they have fantastic personalities because well, your personality gets better when you have to deal with something when you have hard. to overcome something yeah all right i've never met a blind person with a bad personality how many blind people have you met and i want you to be honest i don't think you've Six. ever met a blind person 
I don't think you've met one blind yes, person. Yes, I have. I don't think so. You don't know me. You I met me you, a couple years ago. You don't know how many I mean, blind four people years ago. I've met. Well. I've met. Go ahead. I'm thinking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. All right. So. Blindness must, blindness must be really rare because I was racking my own brain. I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen someone on the street, of course. With the yeah. cane and whatnot, yeah, that is—I'm always so impressed. If I'm in New York City, which I've seen that there a few times, like I'm nervous navigating those sidewalks and I crossing know. those streets, and to watch a blind person do it is incredible. Do you sometimes think they're faking? I never ever think that. <laughs> do you? That's very no, cynical. No, I think you think that. <laughs> no. Yep. No, no, no. I mean, I guess maybe if I've seen a homeless person panhandling and they've got the cane by them. That person I might be suspicious of. Okay. But not the person going about their business crossing a busy street in Manhattan with the cane. No. Do you think they like the attention? I don't even think they're aware of the attention they're getting. No, you can feel attention. You think so? Yeah. You know when the eyes are on you? Yeah. You can feel it. Even when people are behind you, but they're staring at you, you can feel it. Oh. I do. Maybe you have more acute spidey senses than me. Anywho, I have a lot of good knowing senses. that you and I both have seemingly never had a conversation with a blind person, it makes me think it must be a very low percentage of our population that is struggling with uh, blindness. blindness. I would agree. And I think that's great. <clears throat> me too. Well, you know what? My very best friend in the whole world was legally blind. Legally blind. So now that's much different. I'm best friends with a blind person. No, you're 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 best friends with someone that's legally blind. Mm -hmm. And I'm that friends means she with, was blind. And I'm friends with someone that was legally blonde. But that doesn't <laughs> really say anything. What was her name character's name? You know it. Um okay Reese Witherspoon was And legally blonde. Like Cher or something No, or? that's clueless. Clue clue that's clueless. Um it was Ah, what was her name? I can't remember. Elle Woods. Oh, yes, Elle, Elle Woods. Woods. I, yeah. Elle Woods. I should have remembered that because... It's popular. I know someone who has almost that exact name. Mel Woods? Your dad's <laughs> drinking buddy? He drinks by himself, okay? Okay. <laughs> you're very sassy today. I, I have a hunch it's because you're wearing a red jumper and it's got your confidence... I hate to do this again. This is not red. Okay. What Burgundy? Wine? Yeah, wine is nice. Ooh, wine. Bordeaux. Okay, so you've got this bodacious Bordeaux jumper. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do. A bib front overall. I do, yeah. And I think you're feeling a little cocky today. It's about time. <laughs> I welcome it. Yeah. Eton Hawk mm -hmm. and Vincent D. Yeah. So he said that he did the movie he did in 1985 was a 30 million dollar movie. And really quick, who's he in this? Ethan. Vincent or Ethan? Ethan. Okay. These are Ethan facts. I'll clarify if they're specifically Vincent. Okay, so if you're just using a general pronoun, he it means Ethan. Correct. And then Vincent will mean Vincent. Actually, Trevor will mean Vincent. That's way too okay. confusing. So <laughs> he said that. This movie that he did in 1985 was a $30 million movie. And you said today that's a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. Adjusted for inflation, that's $70,506,970. Big movie. Yeah. To be about two kids, which ultimately was what the film was about, right? It was he and 
River Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yes. So that would be a big budge. Big budge for a two little kid lead. Mm-hmm. So you said your Wikipedia page says your name is Daximus. Mm-hmm. And it, that must have been changed. I believe you that that happened, but it's not on there anymore. Oh, that's good. You know, I put out a call to arms on Twitter um, mm-hmm. because, you know, I think I told you I am barred from Wikipedia, yeah, which is me. so weird to me. I don't know what I've done, but I'm un, unable to uh, edit anything on Wikipedia. So yeah. I put out a call to action on Twitter saying, if you know how to edit it, you know, let's, my name's not Daximus. And so apparently someone fixed it for me. So thank you. This really explains a lot that you did that because your Wikipedia page is so extensive. It is? Oh my God. There's so much information about you on there. I've never, well, I've not never read it. I read it about eight years ago and I decided I should never read this again because, and and the only reason I knew about the Daximus thing is that a couple people on Twitter like tweeted me. I didn't Mm. know your name was Daximus with the link to the Wikipedia page. Got it. I didn't then go on to read more, but I just, I have to imagine it's just completely chocked full of errors. And I don't know. It's all correct. It is? And it's a lot of info. Too much information. I mean, I wouldn't say too much, but it was, I was like, whoa, this ha- this is a lot of info. In what way? It took me uh, a long uh, time to read. Oh, okay. It's a lot of it's voluminous. Yeah. And people have just included tiny, tiny tidbits that most Wikipedia pages don't have. Oh, okay. I found it interesting. It, do you think it's a result of this podcast? Maybe. Okay. Is it in there that I... Like shit my pants at Home Depot or fuck some Jello. Is that stuff tomorrow? In there? there, that stuff will be on your page for sure. Okay. Anyway, so you have a great Wikipedia. Good job. Congrats. Oh, that's not what I. From your tone and your delivery, I thought you were complaining about my Wikipedia page, but now I see it was a compliment. It's hard so thank to know. You. It's hard to know. You, you again. You're you're you've got a real short fuse today, and you're you're feeling ten feet tall and bulletproof, as they say. That's how you feel every day. It feels good, right? It's nice, huh? Yeah. Okay. Ethan said that Christopher Plummer's family, he's independently wealthy and that they own a Canadian railway. Hmm. I don't think that's true. Okay. Um, He is the only child of an artist who was the secretary to the Dean of Sciences at McGill University and a man who sold stocks and securities. His great-grandpa on his mom's side was the Canadian prime minister, Mm. Sir John Abbott. Was he a railroad baron? Um, Magnate? I don't think. Okay. But I could be wrong. Who knows? But it... All signs are pointing to wealthy, though, right? If you're... We've got a prime minister... Uh, As your grandpa. Yeah, you're probably, things probably worked out. Probably had some money, yeah. But I don't know. A couple hundred bucks. I don't know if you have that much money. Like, think about presidents. They don't make that much money in the United States. Well, it all depends, though. No, they seem to all make, like, George W. is fucking loaded. Somehow Al Gore got stock to Apple at some preferred rate. He became super rich. Well, I think the Bush family... Is very Already. rich, yeah. But again, the dad, senior, mm-hmm. he was the CIA director. He, the, all that wealth came post service to the government. They weren't like 
rich and then he became the director of the cia i don't i think like no they like go a, sit on these boards for these crazy fees and they accumulated post uh government success <clears throat> and then yeah cheney he wasn't the president but he certainly loaded uh, the kennedys they were loaded way before before yeah. yeah yeah but i'm saying as the clintons they're loaded they're loaded right? now yeah yeah because after you can, it's if a you, floodgate. if yeah, if you, if you open that door for sure. If there's anyone out there that wants me to speak at an event for a million dollars, I'll do it. If you're out there, also, you know, people were critical of Hillary speaking to the uh, Wall I know, Street people, I know. and I was thinking, what I. You're not condoning any you you pay me I'll go talk to anybody. I said the same thing. Yeah. My parents disagree. They, they love did. Hillary, but they did not like that. Yeah, that she did really, that. I guess if the insinuation is you've taken their money so you're going to owe them something later. I understand the suspicion there. Yeah, yeah, that's what people but think. But I like taking the money from people I don't like more than I like taking money from people I like. Yeah, but I think there's also I think some people thought like that's just such a stupid political move. It was, yeah. And it w wasn't a good one. Yeah. yeah, it was bad. So, like, what is she doing if she's, like, has plans to run and then is still doing this yeah. and making these weird political moves? My parents, they didn't like it. Yeah, and I guess there's scenarios where your involvement appears that you're uh, condoning someone but like if I was a rock star, I'd go play. Uh, I'd go play at um at uh, Kim Jong Un's birthday party. Well, I would just say I don't believe in anything he's doing. But yeah, I'll take ten million dollars out of his pocket. I, and play. I do think it's different when you're the president. Mm -hmm. You're not a rock star. I mean, you well, are you're kind of a rock star. You are. Obama was. I know. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> I love him so much. I really do. I would love to hang out with him. Uh, yeah, I'm nervous about that. I'm not. Okay. Why? You think we're going to have sex? No, I would love it if you guys had sex. Oh. Um, I, I would be nervous for you that it wouldn't be stimulating the same, um, what your Rob expectations. Looks so, so scared when I said that. Do you think he would hurt, be rough with her, Wob? <laughs> I think he'd be a very gentle lover. She's a very small girl. You'd probably want to. You know, start I off. I think he would be so gentle. So, <laughs> I think this he'd be the, perfect. This is the power of the female mind: is that like when you <laughs> like someone's integrity and stuff so much, you actually mm. assume they're going to be an amazing lover. They will be. Which no guy would look at a girl and be like, "Oh my god, she's so good at math. She's got to be great in bed." There'd just be there'd yeah. be no connection to their virtues and what they'd be like in the rack. But you do think Obama would really no, because deliver a lot of no, pleasure. See, that's, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, well. Is this disrespectful? I don't know. I think that's why Rob got scared. Okay. Um, But it's because girls think about the connection mm -hmm. that's happening during sex. Sure. And you don't. No, I just think about the connection of the genitals the genitalia the the physical connection the intermingling of the, of the genitalia yeah yeah so it's different right why did you get scared when i said i wanted to hang out with him because i think you probably have an expectation of how stimulating he'd be in real life but you 
you've only heard him talk when he's making a speech. So it's going to be very misleading. Mm -mm. I've heard him on interviews. Same shit. No, I don't think so. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You think interviews and speeches. Like uh, interviews. You can put together a good sense of how the person interacts outside of those. Mm, If I'm using you as an example, yeah. Okay. I think so. All right. I think you're a lot like the person, person you on present. TV. <laughs> <laughs> on interviews and stuff, for sure. Yeah, all right. I'm just uh, nervous for you. That's all. Okay. All you, right. you can be. I'm, I'm excited. not nervous for you guys in the rack. I think that'll be great for everyone. But I'm so tall. He's really... he. How tall is he? Eight feet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, now I'm a little nervous anatomically <laughs> for you guys. but It's going to be an adventure. Yeah. I guess St. Bernard's can have sex with chihuahuas and have uh, fertile offspring. So sky's the limit. Well, I'm not looking to, look, I'm not looking to Oh, you wouldn't want to carry his child? Well. Yes, you would. He has a family. I know, but let's say Michelle was like. He doesn't need an extra kid. But what if Michelle was like, please do this for him. He wants another kid. I don't want to do that. Monica, please help us. Um, You wouldn't want your child to have half his I genes. Would love it, actually. I think that's what I'm saying. I can't imagine you You're wanting right. to procreate with anyone even more. I would love that. Even more than Matt and Ben. Wouldn't you rather look at your offspring and see half of Obama in the mind and all that? I would love that. You're right. But I yeah. would feel bad because he's so tired. Who is? Obama. Obama. Well, he was. Now he's always on vacation in shorts and stuff and he dances when he's places. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> He's always eating ice cream and stuff. Oh, he's living his best life. There's no question about it. Mm. Paling around with like Jay Z and Beyonce and yeah, whoever else. Mm. Jerry Seinfeld, Letterman. Jesus, <laughs> good good life. Okay. All right. Let's be serious. This is disrespectful to Eden. <laughs> the kid in first reformed. Yeah. Is by the way not a kid. Everyone was referring to him as a kid because they just mean a young, young Younger actor. actor. His name is Philip Edinger. Philip Edinger. Mm-hmm. He was tremendous. He was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last thing is not a fact, but the story he tells about um, River Phoenix and the uh, cigarettes. cigarettes. Yeah, it was so powerful. It I've really told was. a lot of people that story. Yeah, and I thought it was such a incredibly skillful way to be truthful and still holding on to your own um, privacy level of privacy yeah. that you want to maintain. It was like it was it was you you could you could learn everything you needed to learn. Absolutely. Yeah, it was done in a very neat way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have his daughter? River Phoenix's Ethan's, and you don't have to have everyone's daughter. Do I? If the, when we become handmaid, when I become a handmaid, I am gonna have to have everyone's daughters. Yeah, you're kind of in handmade gear. That's basically That's the, the same color. color. That it, it is the color, but yeah. I'm not wearing a shower cap. I, you know, this is my vanity. But if I booked Handmaid's Tale. Hmm. That would be a dream come true. And then I get there and then I'm wearing a shower cap the whole show. And one that of your might great, be a deal breaker. Well, one of your great features is your hair. I look terrible it, without hair. It's I one have of a your, terrible face. So my hair is the only thing bringing You have any, a beautiful, inviting, no. warm, 
face. You have these big brown round eyes. You look like a. They look you like know, no. You shut the fuck up you for do. one second. I'll tell you what you look like. You know that stupid cat that was in the movies <laughs> that uh, Tony B. Oh yes, from Shrek. From Shrek. You remember pussy. that? Pussy. Puss boots. Pussy boots. <laughs> so you remember pussy boots? You know those yep. stupid big big round eyes it had. Yes. That's what you have. Okay. Yeah, and imagine. Now let's go south. Okay. <laughs> Your lips are full. Your smile's off the charts, and it's white as fuck. That's because of my toothpaste. I don't believe that. You have good genetics. Wow. Okay, and then you've got this beautiful caramel skin or caramel, and what the fuck? Listen, thank you. Okay. That was a nice string of compliments. But when you remove hair, trust me, I wear a shower cap in the shower. Oh, you do? You're so weird. No way. I'm not. You have a squatty potty and a shower cap. Don't talk about my squatty you're, you're, you, potty. You, that bathroom door closes and you just turn into the weirdest person. I do. Yeah, you have to put your legs over your head to number two, no. and then you gotta to take a shower. You got to put on a. I wish I had cap more space in my bathroom to There's, do more weird shit. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty tight in there. But anyway, I have to wear a shower cap because I can't wash my hair every day, and my hair will get dried out. Okay. I have a fancy one, not a plastic one that you get at the hotel. Oh, all right. It really looks like the handmade hat. I'm serious, except mine's black. But that's what it looks like. And then when I look in the mirror and I think if I had to be on camera like this. Will you please post a picture of yourself <laughs> in the shower cap with your glasses on? <laughs> Never. Okay. That's all. Thanks for owning your vanity. Yeah. It's terrible. I'm, I'm vain. Everyone's vain. Is everyone? Yes. Rob, Rob, are you vain? Some, yeah. Some. Who's not? I've never met. I don't think Kristen's very vain. I mean, she regularly is posting pictures of herself looking her worst intentionally. Okay. Here's here's the difference. Her worst is still good. When you are uh-huh. beautiful like that, okay. you can post pictures of yourself in a shower cap and you still look great. Go on. I... Can't do that, so I'm not going to. Uh, okay. I don't have her face. All right. All right. All um, right. That's it. Okay. I love you and happy holidays. Oh, happy holidays to you. are supported by Intuit, the technology platform that builds your financial confidence. There's some things that school doesn't really teach you, like how to handle the financial world. I mean, look, I did 16 years of school and I didn't have a single class on accruing debt or a hole that that puts you on. Yeah, they don't teach you that. No effort made whatsoever. If you want more financial knowledge, now is a great time to learn with Intuit for Education program. It has free, easy-to-use resources like getting a car loan with Credit Karma simulations, understanding taxes with TurboTax lessons, and even learning to run a business with QuickBooks simulations. Check out Intuit's free resources today at intuit.com slash education. Intuit, that's I-N-T-U-I-T dot com slash education.